You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of 2024 for Retail Refined. I'm so excited to be kicking off the year with an amazing discussion on wellness and retail with the go-to expert, Jennifer Walsh. (laughs) She is a visionary entrepreneur, a celebrated author, an influential media personality that I had the pleasure of being introduced to, oh my goodness, I think over a decade ago, it was probably 2010 or so by a good friend of ours, Jennifer Yet, I believe that was our connection. Jennifer has been at the forefront of beauty, retail, and the convergence of nature and neuroscience, and she has consistently driven innovation to empower individuals to thrive. In the 90s, she pioneered the first experiential retail brand in America called Beauty Bar, which was later acquired. So we're going to have to dig into that a little bit as well. And this earned her the title of beauty futurist. And she has not let go of the opportunity of being a futurist, but just continues to evolve. So really excited to talk through that a little bit more. In 2016, she also launched the transformative video series Walk with Walsh. Um, If you go on her website, you can book walks with her um, and she does coaching and all this other stuff, but she also travels the world and has great keynote conversations on the opportunities of neuroscience and wellness. And I'm really going to dig into what the future of all of that's going to mean for us, especially when it comes to retail. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being with us today. I am so thrilled. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. As I said before, we came on air. I've been listening for a long time. So honored to be here to kick off 2024 with you. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. I've been looking through Instagram and you're seeing so many of these posts of people kind of talking about this real desire to have more wellness in their life, whether it's mental or gut health or whatever it is. So I just really feel like it's it's a conversation we can't not only ignore, but just not embrace the significance of it. Um, but why don't you, let's start from the beginning with you. Tell us how this all started You know, we can start from the 90s. Tell us a little bit about Beauty Bar and how that kind of set the tone for your expertise in retail. That's funny because when you say that, I'm like, thank you. And how when we first met, I remember meeting you. It was around 2010. And I was so impressed by what you were doing. And here you are all these years later, just at the forefront of your work. So I'm so impressed and so proud of you because you've really taken your work to such a different level that it's been beautiful to watch the transformation and the evolution of you. So I just want to say that up front. It's been great to watch. Um, So yeah, I started actually in finance in the 90s and loved makeup on the side. And I've been a makeup artist, um, started out as a makeup artist and then on a fluke, a friend of mine threw me in front of a TV camera in 1997 and said, I need you to go on TV and talk about the makeup you're using on sets, uh, on TV and movie production and uh, behind the scenes stuff. And I, you know, no one was really on TV in 1997 talking about makeup. <laughs> so yeah. my response was absolutely no, I'm not going to go on TV. Um, but he twisted my arm and I did do me in front of the camera. And it became a weekly TV segment. I was talking about these beauty products and they were these new emerging brands such as Bobby Brown, um, Mm -hmm. Fresh, Stila, uh, because at the time there were only a few beauty brands at the mall. So let's say Mm -hmm. Estee Lauder, Prescriptives, um, Clarins, there was just a handful of beauty brands at the time. So here I was talking about these brands that no one had really heard of yet. And all of a sudden this gave me an idea. What if I take uh, the TV as my educational tool and if I can open a store, that would be my sales channel. And I had not seen anything like that yet. So I did it. So I would call like Christina Carlina, who founded Philosophy and all the other founders. I said, how good an idea. 
what if I take your products and just put them in a store setting? And I've already got the weekly TV segment so I can educate people on what your yeah. products are about. And uh, that was the beginning of Beauty Barn. And it was, I didn't know that much about retail. It was kind of, I had to learn as I went. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it's interesting, Melissa, how we've all involved in retail. And it was really more, more of a gut feeling along because I didn't have KPIs or ROIs or. Right. We didn't, didn't talk didn't, that way. Yeah. We didn't talk that way. And I didn't even know many female founders, especially female retail founders at the time. I knew some small business owners uh, around me, but uh, mostly fashion shoes, but nothing in terms of beauty, cosmetics, skincare, wellness. And um, that's how it really started. It was the beginning of the unknown. But then yeah. there's this opportunity to say, oh, wow, I'm selling all these products that no one ever heard of. So all these things kind of lined up. And my little sister was dating a guy who was specialty in IT. So after I opened the store, I had a website right away. So right from the get-go, we had... It was Omni Channel right from the get-go. We had the mm -hmm. stores, we had the website, and then we had a weekly TV program uh, right from the beginning. So it was this great omni-channel presence. And it was a fun way to start in the beauty world. It was, it was really hard. It was incredibly hard. But thankfully, too, I wasn't, I didn't have any investors. It was all self-funded. Thirty thousand dollars in savings that I had. And everyone And then you got acquired by Amazon. Yeah, I got That's acquired. By, I got acquired by Quincy. So Quincy owned diapers.com and they were just starting soap. So with this, they said we want to buy me out so that way they could sell um, the three brands to to Amazon, and that's kind of how that evolved in 2010 to 2011. But yeah, that's how wow. it all began. Yeah, well, it's always learning. That's the most important part is that we have an always learning mentality. You Absolutely. then transformed, right? But it's really an evolution. Uh, in 2016, with Walk with Walsh, which still exists, and you're getting featured in the New York Times, and but that, just kind of another layer of you kind of bringing human connection together to what you do. So, can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Sure. So, after the sale of Beauty Bar, I worked with brands over overseas and the U.S. trying to help them build U.S. Um, footprints, and and then I was just I've been doing TV for just as long. So I thought, well, it'd be really fun to interview friends that are CEOs and founders in Central Park because I love I love interviewing people. And every person I interviewed was about what it meant to be a healthy leader and our nature connection. And every person I interviewed kept saying, well, this feels so good, but I never get outside. And I thought that was really interesting to me. And that was the beginning of this discovery, to be honest, of like diving down. What does it mean if people, they know it feels good. People are, they know yeah. this walk feels good. They know the time spent outside feels good, but they weren't giving themselves permission to mm -hmm. go outside. And I thought there's mm -hmm. something here for every single person saying the same exact thing to me. And that was, that was down the rabbit hole I went. And I, I never looked back, mm. <laughs> but I realized it was all, it's been all connected all along. Even my beauty yes. bar stores were completely integrated with nature. Now that I know it was called biophilic design, I didn't have a name for it in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So it was it was always there, but just now I had, the, I had the science behind me, I had the words to use, and now I understood it more. Yeah, and now you're also a faculty advisor, right, at the University of Pennsylvania Center for Neuroaesthetics? Yes, so I get to work with Dr. Anjan Chatterjee, who is at the forefront of um, neuroaesthetics, uh, neuroarchitecture. Uh, he speaks deeply into neuroscience and our spaces. Uh, I also work with Dr. Stephanie Peabody at the Brain Health Initiative, which is a living lab under Harvard and Mass General. So I'm also a faculty advisor there. So it's been really fun to take my background in beauty yeah. places and then 
work in this uh, place of neuroscience, which I've always wanted. It's interesting that you asked that because in 2016, 2017, when I really started understanding this connection to nature and our, the people, I was looking for a neuroscientist, neuroscientist to partner with. And of course, I was too green to know what I didn't know. So I had to study mm-hmm. a bit more, research more. Yeah. And then um, Dr. Anjan and I were on a panel together in Italy, of all places. And we sat next to each other and we both just said, oh, this is you're, you're speaking about what I'm speaking about. And we're doing the same thing, but different. And let's let's find ways to work together. So that's kind of how that evolved. Yeah, I love that. It's all intertwined. Um, well, I, I'm going to have to then. So we're going to have a, a conversation in your expertise in a report we just put out um, called Holistic Health. Consumers are seeking wellness in everything they do. Mm-hmm. And our question to brands and retailers is, how are you showing up for them? Mm-hmm. And so what one of the things we first dove into when we did this exploration was really kind of benchmarking where people's awareness even was and how they kind of dif- those different personas of um, where people are in their own trajectory of wellness. And it was pretty interesting to see the, you know, we have ritualistic. So those who are committed to wellness, that was only about 23 percent. But on the flip side, a, a large percentage, 42 percent really want to learn. They really mm-hmm. want to learn. They want to develop these practices. They want to figure out how to fit them into their lifestyle needs. I think it really opens up an opportunity for brands and retailers who can facilitate that education and make it attainable. Uh, there's a real yeah. opportunity. That is exactly it. And I loved your study. I read so much. I was like, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I feel like I've been seeing as well through the ages of, you know, the alphas to the boomers of what people are looking for. And it's really interesting because that's exactly what you're saying is people, they're looking for education. They're looking for like what to do at these different times of life. And of course, I'm fascinated by TikTok and and what people yeah. are talking about. But I'm also a little hesitant with that because I really want to hear from the people that are experts in this space and not right. just... Uh, I know. It's dangerous for sure. Yeah. Um, it's dangerous. Yeah. But yeah, I do think, you know, um, the other thing that was interesting was their affiliation with wellness and purpose. Mm, that is it. And that's I it. think that's the thing too. And another study, um, I was at a conference this early, uh, last year. Um, so mm-hmm. Hershey's was on stage and they talked in their research, only about a third of customers believe that brands live their purpose. But mm-hmm. in our, in our research, every one in two, more than half of the respondents found a sense of purpose to be the greatest benefit from partaking in wellness-related experiences. So if you bridge that together, I mean, it's a huge opportunity. How how are, yeah, how how do you you think about that? I'm like, is that kind of thought coming up in the work that you're doing and you're advising? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot. What you're saying is they want to find, first of all, they want to find the experiences that people can Mm -hmm. feel, the holisticness. They don't want to be... I don't want to be sold to all the time, even on social media. If everyone's like, hey, buy this, buy that. It's just, it's so in your face and it's not authentic. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing and hearing people just say, how do we tell stories? How do we weave stories into uh, our sales channels? That it's more about brand discovery, um, what their their purpose is as a brand. Like let's say REI or Patagonia or mm-hmm. their like, Patagonia's numbers have just skyrocketed because they're really living their truth. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. really showing, there's you no know, sustainability. What are we doing to really show that we are, we're not cutting corners, just 
this is going to cost time. We're going to get rid of things that don't align with the brand any longer. It's it's really transformative. It's really powerful message that they're sending. And that goes up ripples to the entire retail industry, I believe. So I love seeing people, customers really align themselves to things that they believe in that are meaningful and beautiful. And the brands that are really being able to kind of interweave those dynamic moments of life. And when I say holistic, I really mean like the whole body. It's not just, great, it's a running sneaker. Okay, what's whatever. But how are they getting involved in local communities? And how are they like the stores presenting themselves? Because, you know, I I, I love, I'm a retailer. I'm all, even though I'm not in a store every day, yeah. I miss being in a store. I miss, I always say to people, hey, let me work in your store for a day. I just, I love the sales channel. I love the sales floor. And I love working with people. I do miss that, to be honest. But um I just think there's so many stories to be told in a stories to be told in a store that are really powerful and beautiful because our spaces are always talking to us. We don't we don't think about it. There we're just our bodies are reacting to the spaces that we go in and out of. I always say that we are sensorial beings looking for mm-hmm. sensorial experiences all the time. We don't have to think about it. It's just in our DNA where how we're programmed to just feel something innately, uh, whether we like it or not. The sat a lot the loud sounds of very aromatic places can kind of be offensive to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finding that, what is it, one in 10 or one in 12 people, I believe, in the U.S. are uh, neuro uh, neurodivergent. So people are having to pay more attention to how their spaces are to everybody of all of all ages. Well, let's talk all... about that because the audience might not fully understand what that means. Sure. So let's, yeah. So, neuro, neurodivergent is someone who, um, let's say, they have ADHD or they are on the autistic uh, spectrum. Uh, my twin sister is severely um, disabled, so she is on a totally different spectrum of neurodivergent. But they are uh, people that have different abilities, brain abilities, and some of these spaces and places, as we know, many people who have um, autism can suffer when they go into certain stores that are very loud. Um, and they are very, very scent oriented. So some places mm-hmm. like the Camp Store, uh, the Slumu mm-hmm. Institute have um, initiated certain times of day where the lights are turned down a little bit, the noise mm-hmm. is turned down, but they're really um, offering time for those that uh, have um, their neurodivergent to come and just feel like they could be in the space and not turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we because we did a lot of investigation around the different sensorial uh, elements to, you know, depending on the senses. So it was interesting to see how people respond to light, sound, mm-hmm. and um, how do you keep it kind of personalized, but also, you know, it's a public space when it's a yes. retail store. So you can, you want to be inclusive, but you want to be personalized. But so yeah. it's interesting balance to all take in. When we asked some questions too about like, what were the top three themes that they thought brands should emphasize when it comes to like a wellness experience? People want to feel a sense of healing and tranquility and and be re-energized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what yeah. facilitates that ranges so much from person to person. In in your work too, you said you're doing, you know, the faculty advisor, architecture and aesthetic. And um, what kind of trends are you seeing? What what are you thinking? Um we're going to see more of in, in 2024. It's so interesting because I love talking to people from, you know, overseas to all over the U.S. And because a lot of people aren't saying biophilic design, they're just saying sustainable design or dynamic environments, but it really is nature in the space. So yeah. there are something called 15 principles of biophilic design. 
And uh, they really are bringing nature in the space. So how does sound affect us? Uh, how does daylighting affect even mm-hmm. um, the perception of the store? So they've done some um, Terrapin Bright Green is based here in New York, and they have an office in D.C., and they've done lots of studies on on daylight, uh, sound, and how that affects. Like, if there's more nature in the space, people perceive the, the products to be more uh, expensive than without yeah. nature. So they're seeing a lot more, I don't mean just plant walls, but really understanding um, how like wood features. When we see wood in our spaces, yeah. we automatically relax and there's certain grains of wood that relax us more and again we're not <laughs> we're not saying oh it's wood i feel good it's innately programmed within us mm-hmm. so that's really fascinating and even when people put uh natural elements but aren't real natural elements in if we go to touch it or we see that it, it looks fake actually we get turned off we don't yeah. again we're not we don't mean to be turned off it's just within us and we say oh I thought that was going to be real and oh, it's not. So we kind of get disappointed. So I think there's going to be a lot more interplay of bringing natural elements, but the education is I think the key element. And that's why I love mm-hmm. that. I feel like now I'm a teacher. So I get to go around yes. and teach about like why it matters uh, for brands, for PR industries too, to understand how do we talk to uh, the natural elements in our spaces and how that makes us well or unwell. I say we're like we are basically like an, an an antenna everywhere we go, and we're receiving these elements, whether they're good or or bad. And places can I always say places can either feed us or deplete us, and I think that's really important for everyone. Yeah, and I guess the 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 trick too, or the homework, mm-hmm. maybe I'll say instead of trick, <laughs> is how brands do that authentically, right? Because you still need to be on brand, mm-hmm. tone, voice, and all that, but also want to lean into these opportunities of embracing nature and, 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 and aesthetically and, and your design so that you could um, evoke, you know, yeah. those senses. Yeah. There, there's so much of you when we, we, we talk about retail all the time, you see these bland spaces. It's just like soul sucking. You go into these stores. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I can, I don't want to be here because it's just so bland. And it's just, there's no, there's nothing dynamic about the space and you just want to leave because you can feel it. You can it yeah. immediately, it's not just like seeing it or hearing it or smelling it. You just, it's just a sensorialness of your body. Like, I know there's a table next to me because you can kind of sense things. It's just our body reacting to how we are in that space. And it really gives, gives us a feeling and it's scientifically proven. And it's really incredible once we kind of understand how powerful that really is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so um, what are your feelings about the balance of technology that can facilitate mm-hmm. yeah. uh, some of these, right? You have light, um, chromotherapy and all these other things. So what's the, what do you feel about that balance between technology? Because one aspect of wellness is disconnection, but having that also be a facilitator in spaces. I'm, so, I'm very excited about technology. I love, you know, I'm always about, we need more green time than screen time, but there's that dance that it's so important for us to understand that we have to have time away from tech because we're not fully living a human experience when we're connected to tech 24 seven. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> but there's so yeah. much great technology for stores to interact with the, the light you said, with the sound um, and bring us to places that we weren't expecting that are just like awe-inspiring. So let's say you go to a store and XYZ store and it's this beautiful space that you weren't expecting. You're just kind of filled with awe. Awe mm-hmm. is usually something that you discover when you're walking in nature. So if you can go to these places that 
dynamically create uh, environments that make you just feel so taken aback and to taken in. Um, there's technology there that can do so many revolutionary things, and AI is a big part of that too. And how are we going to use AI mm -hmm. for good? Uh, I'm yeah. really, I'm really excited about all of it that's ahead for sure. Yeah, I think um, because it what what was what MoMA acquired and the opportunity of their digital art and yes. what that can evoke and you know kind of that sensorial immersion that happens all the way to they're saying like with AI being able to get down to a personal level and give mm -hmm. me experience that differentiates from you because the fact of the matter is we think of wellness we're all in different trajectories too yeah. so yeah. the ability for a brand or retailer to recognize where I'm at in that transformation or that journey, mm -hmm. um, it's another opportunity to really connect. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right because we are on different paths and I have a different background than you do. And what's gonna, what I like may not be the same thing that you like, but how do we create spaces for human flourishing? I think everywhere we go should be a, a place of, of wellness, everywhere. Uh, and I think that starts with how we create our spaces for uh, for thriving. And we can do that with just minimal, even, I think they've done some great studies around birdsong, which sounds kind of crazy, just very minimal amounts of birdsong in a space makes people feel at ease. They tend to mm -hmm. be there longer. And it's not even like you you really hear it. You're just, it's kind of just there. And uh, they're doing lots of studies in that in schools as well. So children tend to do better in school when there is yeah. a little bit of birdsong in. So it's it's really interesting and they're kind of taking what they've been studying even in um in hospitals bringing nature around the spaces um and then implementing that into even retail with just a photograph of you know whatever skincare brand or hat brand or mm -hmm. whatever it might be and having the people outside um, but just something visual that's also nature exposure you're really 40 seconds of looking at nature relaxes the prefrontal cortex. So if you can kind of pre bring those into your spaces, people see that just for 40 seconds, think mm -hmm. about how that really helps just relax the prefrontal cortex. And it's yeah. really, it's important because people will linger longer and stay and want to hang out and, and shop longer and <laughs> get to know. Yeah. I think it takes education for, you know, brands and retailers to understand that math, right? And then what can that lead to? Um, I also think it opens furthers the conversation we're already having what's the point of the store yeah. Um, yeah and what is its opportunity in that moment of discovery which is really what a store facilitates you know because online so much more transactional yes you discover but in a different way and mm -hmm. you know with more kpis tracking the halo effect it mm -hmm. opens up the opportunity of the store right it's not just about four wall profitability and so when you think about things like what you're saying you can tap into that and you get somebody to kind of transition from the moment they're in the street to they get to that threshold moment, entering mm -hmm. the store into a welcoming space and these sensorial moments happen and there's that neurological thing that yeah. happens and they're at ease and then they're, they want to stay a while. And one of the things we also asked about is like, what, what provides like a sense of, uh, of emotional wellness? And people want like personal spaces in stores if they can have like that relationship. We kind of see that with a lot more as leisure brands, but yeah. um, but also decluttered and simple spaces too. Oh, I'm so glad you just said that because during the holidays I did, of course, a lot more shopping. And I I'm a retail person, so I prefer going to the store. I like to feel, see, taste, smell. I've just always been that mm -hmm. way. 
So I was just shocked by some of the stores that were just so cluttered, that were just so messy yeah. that I, I was, I was, I know it's holiday and, but I was really, really surprised by that. And I thought this is, you know, there's such a big stark difference between that versus something that's minimal and smaller yeah. and personalized. And it was like, oh, this is so beautiful and small. And, and I feel like I'm a part of the space. I'm a part of the team or people. And I feel welcome and it's just such a different shopping experience to see that Gen Z's do and alphas really want to go to store and yeah. get away from tech a little bit and be with their friends and do what we did as kids. I feel like and go to the shops and yeah. try things on and just feel things. Uh, I think that's, you know, I always feel like retail will have a purpose. And I think people want to see, feel, smell, taste. I know AI is going to change a lot of that for us over the next uh, few years. And of course, the metaverse and uh, everything else. But I think if the store experience is still where people will find and discover things that they weren't expecting. I think that's that's so powerful for a brand. Yeah. And I think that knowledge, because we asked what information do people want when it comes to services and to products? And they had the same answers. They want knowledge of the effect that these things are going to have on their body and mind. They want knowledge of how products or services can factor into their routine or their lifestyle. They want knowledge of um, the impact of steps that might go into a service should they want to continue mm -hmm. that ritual at home. Mm -hmm. um, so I also think that's a big opportunity. You can't do that in the same way online. Yes, you can in TikTok to an extent. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but also you talk about the ritual, right? That's what you just say, like, these yeah. rituals. So these people are looking for rituals and how they incorporate this bedding company or the sheets or mm -hmm. nighttime, like how you do your dishes at night. Like you have to be a lot more intentional with your day and your time and, and then teaching people like how meaningful those moments can be when you incorporate this brand into your day and how that can also make you relax as part of your, your wellness routine and your, uh, um, you know, self-care routine and everything. It doesn't have to just be about beauty. I mean, everything is wellness. If you really think about how we how we interact and how we create what we do, it has to have intention. I always, I like to work with brands that have real intentionality of what they're doing and, mm -hmm. and why they're doing it. And that gets me so excited because I see people that are really wanting to create places and spaces and products that are really going to help people and change their, change their lives and their worlds. And it's, it's just so, it's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I think people's uh, increased interest and awareness and education mm. um, will help uh, the movement continue. So if we think just, uh, again, the year ahead or even beyond, we can go because we're just scratching the surface still of people's awareness. Um, when we think of the top senses, I think that people today associate mm -hmm. with memorable experiences it's mm -hmm. sound smell and sight i think there's yeah. a lot of opportunity still around taste and touch and movement especially digital art and things like that um but when you think of the top ones today like you mentioned bird sound but any other trend you know in all your research and work with the universities and um the hospitals like when it comes to sound and smell and sight we talked about materiality in the woods and biophilia and and bird sounds, but anything else? Like what should brands and retailers be kind of focused on and 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 studying themselves? Well, even um, something called fractal patterns. So fractals are what we find in nature. So like, let's say you're walking down the street and the trees are around you and those fractal patterns are 
like the dappled light on the street, that the light that comes through the leaves. So you see these mm. fractals all around you in nature. So when we are experience, we are again, these are not things we think about, but yeah. we evolved, we've evolved outside. This is, you know, it is we evolved outdoors. It's only been since the industrial revolution that we really had the greatest migration inside. And we have our our historic old brains have not been able to keep up with <laughs> what we've been doing inside. So how do we yeah. create these environments inside that are kind of like the outdoors? So even having a uh, floor pattern, so interface, uh, interface carpeting does a lot mm. of fractal patterns uh, for oh, stores, okay. for industrial spaces, uh, even offices. So it looks like, or maybe it looks like maybe like a stream. So it doesn't look like a stream, but it has a kind of color pattern of the greens mm -hmm. and blues on the ground. So it's not so much in your face, but it's definitely um, would be something that would look like you're outside along a stream or a waterbed. Um, bringing in these kind of woods and rocks that aren't rocks, but they kind of emulate rocks. Um, even spaces that allow us to not just be on a flat surface. Again, you have to be very careful depending on where you are in a retail sure. space because of uh, you need accessibility to all. But sometimes you can have a space that's a little uneven because, again, our bodies crave abilities to kind of walk on things that are uneven. It's a static environment. We don't always like static. We need uh, dynamic environments as well, just to be in that kind of even space of the dynamic is something that's beautiful and ever flowing and moving. And the static is going to be the same light, the same sound, same scent. So how do we kind of, and also static would be like my couch at home. So when I'm at, you know, in the afternoon, yeah. I need to kind of calm down. I need the static. I need to just relax. So we need the both dynamic and static to thrive. So I think uh, the fractal patterns play a big part of that in store. I'm seeing a little bit more of that, but not quite yet. But I think there's a lot to be done. But even I've seen some places where it looks like there are leaves that are like blowing on the wall. So you think you're kind of outside, but you're not. It's it's fun to watch cool. because yeah. it's really, it's really, really cool. Uh, we did some things like that at Beauty Bar. I wasn't that advanced uh, 20 years mm -hmm. ago, but we had so much of these dynamic spaces that I never thought about as dynamic of creating these like slate walls and, and wood and mm. um, the sounds that we had and the fresh air kind of coming in. It was all integrated. And I never knew that was really that. Maybe that's why people lingered as long as they did. I didn't think about it that way back yeah. then. People yeah, you're giving me an idea because... We work with a lot of companies that like will create um, a sustainability framework so they can kind of score that how their Correct. their store design is performing. And I feel like we need to come up with a wellness rating system. Mm, Are you yeah. touching these different senses, you know, and there's different ways you can uh, you can accomplish that. Um, but even the way you talk, because I think every, everybody gravitates to, okay, check the box. I got wood. I got that plan. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's it. They're uh, just checking out boxes. And that's the sad part because there's so much that can be done that people want. They don't have to go. Like There's always like we want to have a space that people want to go, not have to go. And they just want to be there because it makes them feel good. They like the environment. They like the people. They like the products and services. Like you want to create a space that people want to yeah. bring family members. And and that's I think there's so many great smaller boutiques around the country that are really creating impactful stores and they're doing so well mm -hmm. because they're incorporating all this and not shoving it in their people's face. It's more of like, this is, this is who we are and this is what we like. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So before we go five years from now, oh. <laughs> right? It's like in the future, what, what, what's Jennifer like excited about? Like where, where do you think we go? 
Oh my gosh. So it could be two, one or two ways, or maybe both. I'm not sure, but you know, AI is like really, uh, yeah. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't think any of us can. I think that's yeah. run. No, and I, I'm I'm excited about it, but also terrified by what what could be used for. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to see many more um, biophilic spaces, much more greenery. We're going to be bringing a lot more outside in, and I think it's going to be really much more beautiful compared to the way we've created our cities and space have been just these blocks with nothing. And I think we're going to integrate a lot more outside, inside uh, for health and well-being for all. That's what I see in the future. I look forward to that. Me and too. It, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a shift from just consumerism mentality as yes. well, which is nice. It's holistic. We have to think about the whole body and not not just a transaction of coming in to buy, like have someone have an experience that they feel like that's, again, the sensorialness of our spaces are what people remember. So, yeah. you know, that's what we want from everyone to just be there and feel the space and not just go in and buy something really cool. Unless that's what they want. They want to go and buy something, but yeah. you want people that be like, oh, wow, I didn't know this was here. So it's like sense of discovery, wonder and awe. We want to bring that inside as well. Absolutely. Well, it was great to talk with you. You too. Um, can, Thank you, you so much. To, yeah, continue to follow all that you do. Um, if you haven't read, you can also, Jennifer has a book, Walk Your Calm. Um, so that's or find her in Central Park. And go for a walk <laughs> with her. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you reading our report as well and, and having a conversation with me about it. Um, again, I think we're just scratching the surface, but trying to demystify opportunities so that brands and retailers could more authentically bring this into their approach when they think of the opportunity of the store, how it's designed, how it's programmed. So I'm going to be researching some of the things that you shared today. I love it. Thanks. Thanks, Liz. I really appreciate the time with you. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Mm-hmm.